Greetings humans and welcome to Lefteris Ask Science edition number 13. The podcast where I put my curiosity to good use and I ask scientists what, how and why they do what they do. Hopefully, by listening to this podcast, you will get the basic idea for the research and it will give you enough information for your future internet searches. In this edition of the show, we answer these questions three. Is there an alternative way to make plastic? How can we use spider silk? And how do you test how effective a glue is? Dr. Alec Roberts from the University of Manchester will help me answer these questions, where he and his team recently developed a new type of glue made from spider silk. But before we continue, if you'd like to help the show, share this episode with a friend that you think might enjoy this and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at lefteris underscore asks or email me at lefteris at lefterisasks.com. Let's now meet Dr. Aled Roberts. Hi, uh, my name is Alad Roberts. I'm a research fellow at the Future Biomanufacturing Research Hub, uh, which is within the Manchester Institute of Biotechnology at the University of Manchester, UK. Uh, so my background is materials chemistry, uh, which basically means I try and bridge the gap between chemistry and material science. So if you think about material like a plastic or a ceramic mug or like a glue or adhesive, It's material properties really boil down to the molecules, uh, the chemistry that's going on uh, at the fundamental level and, and how the molecules interact with each other. Before we go into the details of the adhesive that Dr. Roberts and his team produced, I was curious about the starting point of this research. A chemical process that has been quite popular, especially during this global lockdowns, is fermentation. It's the metabolic process that is used to make bread or beer. Dr. Roberts used a similar process to create synthetic spider silk that is later used for other research. When you're fermenting beer, you're using yeast to produce ethanol. However, with different organisms, you can produce whatever you would like, more or less. How do you do that, you may ask? Well, let's hear from Dr. Roberts. They'll find like an you know, interesting material in nature So, for example, the spider silk we're using, but other people here, you might find a, an adhesive that's in mussels which stick to rocks in the sea. That also might be quite interesting. But they find these organisms and then they uh, can extract the DNA from these organisms um, when they're producing the, from the cells that are producing the materials, of the, the cells that are producing the spider silk. They get these cells, they can take the DNA out, analyze the DNA and find the genes which correspond to the protein. Um, so all proteins in, in any organism are encoded by the, the DNA. So if you find the gene which codes that protein, uh, you can take that out, you can analyze it and work out you know, the, the sequence of the DNA. And then um, you can then rewrite that DNA sequence however you want it, exactly the same, or you can make modifications and get it synthesized. And then you have the synthetic DNA And then this DNA is then put into our host organism and produces that um, corresponding protein. So we don't make the exact protein that is used, that is produced by the, the organisms. We don't make the exact same as the spider silk. Uh, we shorten the spider silk protein because in nature, these proteins are very, very big. Um, and that's problematic for our little host organisms who struggle to make very big proteins. So we do make some modifications. Um, 
And yeah, so we're using a, a spider silk from a Black Widow spider. Uh, specifically, it's Dragline silk, which is um, the strongest, toughest silk um, that spider produces, one of the strongest and toughest um, of any spider. So spider silk is the protein that was used in this research to test as a glue. What are the next steps after this fermentation process is done? We more or less use it as it is. Um, so we concentrate it um, and the spider silk is, is quite sensitive to any physical or chemical stimulus. So it's, it's quite unstable actually. And the way spiders spin their silk is they, they keep it as this semi-stable, highly concentrated solution in their silk glands. And then when they spin their silk into fibers, they change some of the conditions of they they make it a little bit more acidic and they change some of the, the metal ions which are in solution and they suck out some of the water and this triggers this this unstable solution to to form a strong solid fiber. The same kind of thing happens when when it's used as a glue. So it's initially a concentrated solution. And we did investigate using these triggers to change its form into this into this cross-linked structure where you, where you get the the adhesion or the yeah the the interactions between the the proteins together but we found that wasn't necessary uh, so we we think it was but it was mostly just triggered by dehydration which is one of the triggers that spiders use a fairly early question one can have is how do you exactly test how effective a glue is if you remember from the episode from scientific principles the tests need to be standardized and repeatable so that it's easy to compare results between labs from all around the world. There's lots of different ways you can test it. We used uh, quite a simple, straightforward, bog standard method, single shear lap adhesion tests. Basically, we got two substrates and two pieces of glass. Uh, we applied a set amount, a set volume, a set concentration of our spider silk adhesive or whatnot. And then we stuck the two substrates together, two pieces of glass together with a known fixed amount of area. So that's quite important. You don't want to change the amount of area you're sticking. Uh, and then we put it in a machine, which pulls the, pulls the substrates apart. You can also push them uh, together because it's the, you're measuring the same force, uh, the shear force, the the kind of like tearing force between the, the glue. Um, and then you measure the amount of force it has taken before you know the glue fails, before it, it tears apart. And then based on the amount of surface area you are using, you then calculate you know, the force per area. And that is the, the main number you get and you publish and compare against other people. The result of this research were fairly positive for the strength of the glue made from spider silk. One of the challenges researchers face is explaining why their results are what they are. If you understand the mechanism of your results, then you can use this understanding to engineer better solutions for the future. The reason for this better adhesion of spider silk was something that is called beta sheet interactions, which Dr. Roberts did a great job explaining. Beta sheets is, is, is a common secondary structure of protein. So it's not the primary kind of sequence of the protein, which is like a, a linear polymer. That, that's the, the primary sequence. But then after you have like this, this primary sequence, the protein can fold up into different conformations. 
Um, and a beta sheet confirmation is, is one of these uh, confirmations. Uh, and essentially, you get this bonding called hydrogen bonding, where yeah, the protein kind of lines up, uh, interacts with each other quite strongly. It's kind of like a zip. The protein can kind of like zip up, and you get this strong hydrogen bonding, which, which bridges it together. And yeah, these interactions by themselves are quite weak, but when you have a lot of them together, they become very strong. So one of the reasons Kevlar is so strong is it also has this kind of zip-like hydrogen bonding between polymer chains. And in fact, Kevlar and spider silk have lots of similarities, actually. Uh, so they're both polyamide polymers, which is the type of repeating unit. And they both have these rigid chains, which zip together with these strong beta sheet interactions. Uh, they're both spun from liquid crystalline solutions and they, they both of, of course have very strong properties uh, you know, high strength high toughness especially when they're, they're spun into fibers they can have very high uh, crystallinity for polymers but yeah the main difference in spider silk and kevlar is, is spider silk is produced you know by the organisms at ambient temperature ambient pressure you know really easily they're very common amino acids make spider silk so in theory we could make lots of this very easily without you know much environmental damage at all whereas you know kevlar you know it's, it's derived from petrochemicals Just the process of making kevlar is very it's very toxic very dangerous you essentially have to spin it from 100 percent sulfuric acid uh, which is yeah very toxic very 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 dangerous i've worked with it before and you have to throw it through so much health and safety so yeah it's kind of like a spider silk is like a biological version of kevlar and you know that's why we're trying to you know, replicate it in the lab. The research that is happening in universities is more often than not guided by the need for a specific application. This research is not an exception, as the paper states that this glue is rather effective while bonding glass. There is a specific reason why we're interested in transparent substrates, so glass and two of the plastics we, we investigated. The reason for that is as our funding came from uh, DSTL, uh, Defence Science uh, Technology Laboratory, in, based in Porton Down, and they were interested in new adhesives for bulletproof glass. So bulletproof glass is, a, is basically a, a layered material. We have like a layer of glass, layers of plastic, layers of glass because when you have like these different property materials layered up you get like lots of benefits um you know the material properties can stack up in a way so glass is very strong but it's brittle whereas the plastics they're not very strong but they're very tough you know they've got like flex in them uh, and our funders were interested in your yeah, new adhesives to stick them together because the the transparent adhesives they're currently using they're not ideal uh, and one of the problems with them is they are not compatible with water and moisture. So if there's any kind of like defect on the edge of the bulletproof glass and moisture gets in, you lose transparency. And of course, proteins are the opposite. They're very happy in water. So that's why we were interested in these transparent materials. And that's why we investigated them. Other researchers have um, also looked at other spider silk based glues sticking other materials together. Uh, and found it, it, it's, it's, it's strong as well on other materials like uh, metals and wood and stuff. Uh, but yeah, we were interested in these um, transparent materials. And one of the reasons for it performing better on glass over plastic is glass is a hydrophilic 
material, so it uh, attracts water, whereas plastics are the opposite, the hydrophobic, they repel water. And because of the me mechanism of adhesion, uh, we think is based on these beta sheet interactions where you have hydrogen bonding. Uh, these hydrogen bonds will also stick strongly to glass. It's the same bonds that sticks water together, so it'll bond more strongly to the glass. This work by Dr. Roberts and his team signify the direction science is taking towards a more bio-based production of materials. Over the past century, the production of plastics from the petrochemicals has significantly increased and the global markets for synthetic glues alone reached 41 billion in 2010. This contributes significantly to the global ambitions and climate change. Having the discussion we just had about adhesives, Dr. Roberts simplified the steps for bio-based production of materials. Uh, so rather than engineering hosts to produce a biological material, we engineer organisms to produce enzymes, which are kind of nature's catalysts. And then these catalysts can make the precursors to materials. So, you know, we can make bulk chemicals, which can then be turned into a, a polymer. So since there is already technology to make biosynthetic materials, I wanted to find out what is the bottleneck and what are the next steps we need to follow in order to have these bio-based materials more commonly used. So the biggest probably thing that is impeding um, biological materials, synthetic biological materials like this synthetic spider silk, but also synthetic spider silk fibers really is the scale up, it's quite difficult to make large quantities of uh, these types of materials because it is through really like fermentation, you gotta have big kind of like vats um, bubbling away and you gotta harvest it, purify it, concentrate it. So compare that to making a glue from crude oil where you can buy like the chemicals, you know, quite cheap. Um, and it's straightforward, like synthetic chemistry. So that is the, the bottleneck at the moment. But the world is changing and we really do have to like move away from petrol-derived chemicals, petrol-derived adhesives and petrol-derived plastic and polymer fibres. So sooner or later, things are going to have to change. And one way they can change is, you know, to move to these... Um, back to protein-based adhesives, you know, we used to use protein-based adhesives, you know, it wasn't even 100 years ago where basically all proteins, all glues were made out of like protein or carbohydrate. Hopefully, more research can be funded towards this new way of producing bulk chemicals that will help change the direction to a more sustainable future. That's it for another edition of Lefteris Ask Science. I'd like to thank Dr. Roberts for his time, and I hope to talk to him in the future again to learn more about bio-based materials. Thank you for sticking until the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with someone who you think will be interested, since that's the best way for the podcast to grow. Don't forget, you can always contact me on Twitter at Lefteris underscore asks, and email me at Lefteris at lefterisasks.com. Until we meet again, take care, keep learning, and be kind.